This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. So we're doing summer at the movies. We haven't done movies in, in years here at the Ark. Let me ask you a question. This is, this is my key question. How many of you have seen the Avengers, the Infinity War? Okay. How many of you have not seen it? So here's, that's the deal. Joy's like, why don't we do Sound of Music or Mary Poppins? I'm like, I'm not doing Sound of Music or Mary Poppins for crying out loud. Okay, so one of the challenges of doing movies is that you have a lot of people that have seen it. Now, the, the Avengers, that whole series, 22 movies, it's grossed over $21 billion. It has, it has, by far, it's eclipsed everybody. Number two, in terms of movie franchises, is Star Wars. But, and then I think Harry Potter's three. But the, the, uh, the Marvel comics, what they call the Mar Marvel Cinematic Universe, is huge. And it has it done a great job. This morning, as we're talking about the Infinity War, I need to give you a little clue as to what we're looking at. Because if you're like Joy, Joy's like, I need to explain everything to her. And she's like, I don't get it. Now, who is the bad person in who? Okay, so here. Here's that. You're going to see a guy on this movie clip, big ugly guy, big jaw. That's Thanos. He's a very bad dude, bad guy. Everyone else is an Avenger. They're all good guys. And so one of the, one of the themes that we're going to see in this movie is conflict, epic battle between good and evil. And Thanos bad, everybody else is good. Then we're also going to see the theme of sacrifice. You're going to see a guy there who looks kind of like a, a purple man with a big big stone in the middle of his head. His name is Vision. He's a robot. If he loses the stone, he dies. But, he, but there's a kid. He may give it up to save the universe. So there's the theme of sacrifice. And then there's a, a quote at the end that Thanos says. That's a, it's the third theme in the movie. It's resolve. The ability to be decisive and to make a, a firm decision with firmness of purpose. So here's the movie. No. They can't stop him, Wanda, but we can. Look at me. You have the power to destroy the storm. Don't. You must do it, Wanda, please. We are out of time. I can't. Yes, you can. You can. If he gets the storm, half the universe dies. It's not fair. It shouldn't be you, but it is. It's all right. You could never hurt me. I just feel you.
smartest choices require the strongest wills. Okay, did you catch that? <laughs> now, there's another theme here. I think it kind of goes un unsaid, but it's the ability of women to multitask. Um, <laughs> seriously, only a woman's going to be able to take that stone out of his head and hold off on us at the same time. If it's a guy, we're going to do one thing. We're going to take the stone out, fight Thanos. Women, amazing. But in this, in this series, here, here's what. So here's here the, here the thing. Conflict, sacrifice, and result. Conflict is actually a classic movie theme. If you'll notice, almost all movies have some sort of conflict. It's the battle of good versus evil, of right versus wrong, of the right way versus the wrong way. And you see conflict in almost every story. If you watch, just go home and just watch any, anything, there's always some level of conflict. But there's conflict in life. Have you ever been in an airport when they started canceling flights? There's some serious conflict that takes place. And boy, especially in the summertime, you know, when, when thunderstorms start to come in. True story, uh, a man was, was in, a, in an airport summertime. They, they started canceling flights. And people went ballistic. And he's standing behind a guy who's talking to a ticket agent. And this guy is rude. I mean, he's crude. He's cussing at her. He's saying unkind things. Just hard. And she's just smiling. And you know how they do? They just type and smile. And they're just, she's just clicking, yes, sir. And she smiled. And finally, they got this guy out of the way. And, and, and the man who was observing this, he stepped up. And he said to the lady, he said, you have an amazing sense of calm about you. I don't know how in the world did you handle that conflict with that guy who was so rude and so unkind. How in the world did you do that? And she just keeps typing. She said, well, she said, he's going to Chicago. His bags are going to L.A. <laughs> Can I tell you, if you're going to get in conflict with anybody, do not get in conflict with the ticket agent. And uh, they will mess. But it's, it's conflict is something that we see in life. And then sacrifice. Now, that's not something we talk a lot about. In the movie clip, uh, the robot got vision. He had to sacrifice that stone. He sacrificed, he said, to save half the universe. And so the sacrifice means you give up something in order to achieve an objective. So it, there's a, an element of sacrifice. And we, we see that a lot in life. But we, we don't. It's, it's something, not an area we like a lot. And then there, the last one was resolve. Now, what Thanos said at the end was actually a pretty good quote. He said, the hardest choices require the strongest wills. The harder the choices, the more will is involved, the more resolve. And resolve means to, to, to have a, a firmness of purpose, a very decisiveness, a, a, a strong choice. Now, this is, you, you see this in the Avengers. This is the theme of this Avengers Affinity War. It's the theme in a lot of different uh, movies and television shows, including even Hallmark. Hallmark has conflict, sacrifice, and resolve. In every Hallmark show, you know, handsome bachelor moves into town, meets the best-looking single available woman there in town. They meet, the sparks fly, they fall in love, but there's a conflict. There's always a conflict where it looks like they're not going to get together. I'll, I'll walk in the middle of, of a thing. I'll ask Joy, have they had the conflict yet? She said, not yet. So here it comes. There's, <laughs> there's some kind of conflict. And it doesn't look like, and it's making the right decisions. But then one of them sacrifices, and they decided that they're going to go through with it, and they're going to give up their career or move to a small town. And then at the end, somebody makes a quality decision, and they kiss, and it's over. Hallmark, touchdown. That's the way it works. 
But you're thinking, well, that's, that's Hallmark and that's the Avengers. That, that's not real life, Alan. Actually, it is real life. And it, it's real life and it's real in the Christian life. And I want you to hear, hear me on this today because at it, it, it face value, you may not think this is positive, but it's very realistic. Because spiritually and naturally, we deal with conflict. There is, there is conflict that we're dealing with. If you think the Christian life is all happy and all peaceful and everything is wonderful, I, I, man, I, I don't want to burst your bubble, but I need to burst your bubble because if you go into it with that kind of mindset, you're going to be very disappointed. It's, there is conflict involved between good and evil. And I'll talk a little bit more about this. There's sacrifice involved. And I, that, that never gets people excited. But they're sacrificed. Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice, but we have to sometimes give up things in order to do what God's called us to do and what to, to please Him, to live a godly life. There's going to be some sacrifice involved. And then there's resolve. And the resolve is the firmness of purpose, is the is the, the strength of decision that enables us to deal with any conflict that comes and to make any sacrifice. I saw this in my own life. When at 18 years old, I made a decision for Christ. I was, I was selling books. I was working door-to-door uh, -door in, in Illinois. And, man, I was alone. I was, I was man, I'm, I'm just really a kid. And I had to go door-to-door. -door. I'm working 12 hours a day, six days a week. It was a difficult job. And, and, and I walked across the field June 6th in Carbondale, Illinois, and I bowed my head and asked Jesus to be the Lord of my life. Now, that's, I was serious about that decision. But when I got back to college, I wasn't under pressure. Things were good. All my party buddies came around, and I realized I did not, make the, I did not have the firmness of purpose to stay with that decision. So I fell away. Not proud of it, but I did. And as I fell away, I, I lived a life that was pretty much exactly the way it was before I knew the Lord. Three years later, I met a beautiful little Italian girl whose life convicted mine, and I realized that I was, had been running from God. Now, I had no pressure on me. I was in the best place of my life, living in a brand new city, everything was good, but I realized there was something missing on the inside. And I made a decision. And this time I realized I was gonna, and you say, well, did you have to, did you, was there a conflict? Yeah. I had to give up some things and a lifestyle. I, I, I remember a guy talked to me one day and he said, he said, what happened to you? You became like a, he said, a, he called me a Bible freak. He said, that's not really a great word. I'm like, I wanted to stand up and punch him, but I thought, eh, that's probably not the Christian thing to do is to punch him. And so, but, but you know, someone called me a Bible freak and I had to sacrifice. I, I was a big partier. I was, go, man, I was going out and I realized that, you know, smoking reefer and picking up women is probably not the best idea to do if you're, if you're now a Christian. I'm sorry, reefer, that, that's marijuana for those of you that don't know. No, no. So, and so, but there was a firmness of decision that when I made that decision, Man, it stuck, and it stuck for 38 years, and I've never looked back. Now, here's, here's the thing. I said, Alan, I, I don't know if I can do that. You know, if I, was a, if I was an Avenger, Avengers have superpowers. You know, all the Avengers had some kind of superpower. Thor had a hammer. Um, this, they, that lady Wanda, I guess she had fire comes out of her hands. So, all of them had some kind of superpower. By the way, my favorite Avenger was the guy who did Guardians of the Galaxy because it had the best 70s soundtrack all the way through that thing. <laughs> and so that was my favorite, him and that snarky little raccoon. So that, that <laughs> but, but there was, you think, if I had superpowers that, that I can do, I don't have superpowers. Actually, 
you got something even better. You have supernatural powers. Paul wrote this in Philippians when he said, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do this, all this through him who gives me strength. I learned that in the old King James Version. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. My dad had me learn that verse when I was just a little boy. He wanted to install in me a positive attitude and a positive thinking, and I think that's great. But that verse is much more than just a positive thinking. It's a verse that says when we go through difficult times, if we have to deal with conflict, if we have to deal with plenty or deal with want, we're not doing it by ourselves. Thank God we've got someone on the inside of us who can walk with us and strengthen us. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And that gives us the ability to have the resolve to get through any kind of conflict and any kind of sacrifice. It's the theme of the Avengers. It's the theme throughout the Bible. David was a classic warrior, a real-life warrior, who was running from King Saul. Big conflict there. Saul was jealous of David. David was the next king. Saul was trying to kill him. He's always running. There's that good versus evil. And so David and his men find themselves as fugitives. They're running from Saul all the time. And then this happens. We'll read it here in 1 Samuel. When David was told, look, the Philistines are fighting against Keilah. Keilah was a city and are looting the threshing floors. He inquired of the Lord, say, so I, shall I go attack these Philistines? And the Lord answered, go attack the Philistines and save Keilah. But David's men said to him, here in Judah we're afraid. How much more than if we go to Keilah against the Philistine forces? Once again, David inquired of the Lord and the Lord answered him, go down to Keilah for I'm going to give the Philistines into your hands. So David and his men went to Keilah fought the Philistines and carried off their livestock. He inflicted heavy losses on the Philistines and saved the people of Keilah. Keilah, again, was a town in Israel. They were being attacked by the Philistines. Anytime you see the Philistines in the Bible, understand you're talking about a force that's an enemy of God. They're always opposed to God's people. So here was David, and he heard about this, this situation where the, where the Philistines were robbing, they were looting, they were terrorizing the people in the city of Keilah. And even though it wasn't David's conflict, even though it wasn't his fight, he decided to get involved. And he, aren't you glad for people who will get involved in problems that aren't theirs to resolve them? And he got involved, man. He prayed. He said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Lord said, go get them. I'll give them to you. So David said, all right, men, lock and load. We're going down to Keilah, and we're going to set these people free. And they all went, time out, Sparky. We are not going to Keilah because here's the deal. We're afraid here much less if we go down there. What they were saying is this. They say, we're already in a precarious position. We're already, we're already in, a, in, a, in, a, in a risky place. Now we're going to go expose ourselves even more and then fight these Philistines? In other words, they say, this is a sacrifice I'm not willing to make. They would have to give up their position of safety to go down and fight and deliver someone else. So David did something I think very, very smart. He found some resolve by the fact he went and prayed again. So he prayed the first time. God said, go. So he went back the second time. Said He might have told him, Lord, they're not going to go. Do you really want me to go? And the Lord said, go. I'll deliver them into your hand. And the next thing we see is David and his men, they, now they had the resolve to go down there and do that. That's a good lesson for us. Listen, before you step out in anything big and risky, you ought to ask the Lord, Lord, is this your plan? Do you want me to go? And, and if, if maybe, maybe the people around you are balking. Maybe they're going, I don't know, Alan. I don't know if I would do that or not. When we, when we started the church, we, were over, we, we, we walked in over at the, uh, the Montessori roller rink. I mean, excuse me, the roller rink, Conroe roller rink. Walked in over there, looked around. I went, this is it. 
<laughs> nobody, nobody wanted to believe it was it. Mark Verrett, he's our architect. He's like, oh, dear Lord. He said, this, this place does not look like any place we want to go have a church. My parents saw it. They were, they were depressed all the way back. I mean, nobody was for it. But I prayed again. And the Lord said, that's it. I went, that's it. So we started church. We wound up having 1,500 people in there on a Sunday before we left that church. Listen, when God gives you a plan, it's a good plan and it will work. And when you go, then you have the resolve to do it. So David had the resolve. They were willing to sacrifice. And in their conflict, they went against the Philistines. They beat them. They took their stuff. Conflict, sacrifice, resolve. Is it part of our life? Yeah, it's part of our Christian life. Somebody said, I, I don't know if I like that. I, you know, I, I thought, you know, if I love Jesus and everybody loves me and there's no conflict. No, 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 there's conflict. There's, there are forces, spiritual, natural. They're, they're, they're arrayed, I'm sorry, guys. They're, they're arrayed against us. There's the, there's the conflict in society and it's a pressure and an opposition that if you believe the Bible, if you believe God, you love God, there's pressure to begin to move away from that. Now, we're seeing this more and more. I, I've seen it. We, we've, been, we've, we've been 23 years in this church, and I say the last five years, I have seen more of an emphasis, more of a negative approach on, on Christians than I've ever seen before. And uh, you say, well, is, 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 that, is that a new phenomenon? No, actually, it's old. When the, when the first, uh, church first started, early Christians dealt with a lot of persecution from the Roman Empire because the Roman Empire... They, they worshiped a bunch of different gods and all the cities had their own gods. And when the, when the people would become believers, they would forsake their pagan gods and they would become believers and they would take all the idols out of their home. Well, it made their neighbors mad. And every time something would go wrong, Christians were often persecuted. Some Christians were persecuted to the place where they had to actually give up their lives. You say, well, great, Alan, we're, we're not living in that day. We're not being persecuted in that area. But listen, guys, there's even though there are people who may not have idols. There are things now that people are exalting above God, and we need to recognize it. I'll give you three. Secular humanism, uh, the uh, earth worship, and um, what's, what's my, oh, science. Now, I want you to hear me real clearly on this. I, 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 love, I love the earth. I think it's beautiful. I think we ought to be good stewards of the resources. But I don't worship the earth. I worship the one who made the earth. And here's another thing. People say, aren't you interested in saving the earth? Let me just be very frank with you. I'm a lot more interested in saving the people of the earth because it's only people that live for eternity. Doesn't mean I'm, I'm out for destroying and slashing and burning everything in our environment. I'm just not saying that. But I'm saying is what's more important. In fact, if you read, if you read in, the, in, the, in the apostles, the Bible said this earth will melt one day and God will create a new heavens and a new earth. People live forever, and that's who we have to reach. We reach people. People say, well, science, science. They worship science almost like it's, science has an answer for everything. Science doesn't have an answer for everything. Can't heal a broken heart. It can't get people off of addiction. It's not solving human problems. Guys, I, science is wonderful. I'm glad for all the scientific advancements we've made. I still worship the God who created the foundation that all this was come from. He's the one that made science. People keep finding out more about what God has done. Secular humanism says is man is the answer for everything, and it tends to exalt man. I don't exalt man. I realize that. I realize we're, we're people, we're fallible, we're human. I do worship the one who made 
I believe Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. If you believe Genesis 1-1, the rest of the Bible is easy to believe. And we establish that. So here's the deal. If you just say, I love God and I worship God, don't expect everyone now to get all excited about it. The pressure is there and conflict is there to abandon God and the Bible and you have to make a decision. I'm going to go with that. I'm going to go with God. Second conflict you see is what I call family conflict. Family and friends. Sometimes you make a decision for Christ and, and not everyone gets excited about it. And sometimes people are, are, are upset because there's disagreements in families and families. And we've seen families split. I remember when Joy decided that she was going to follow the Lord. It caused problems in her family. And so those things happen. It's conflict there. And then there's, there's the personal conflict. And that, that personal conflict is the fact that we're dealing in a spiritual world. We've been delivered out of Satan's kingdom. We're in God's kingdom. But there's still conflict there. In fact, this is what Paul said when he wrote right here. He said, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the, his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything, to stand. Guys, if we weren't in a conflict, we would not need God's armor. But it says, put on the armor of God that you have protection. So that's the good news, is when we're facing conflict, spiritual conflict, we have God's armor and his protection. Man took his, his daughter and his grandson to the zoo one day, and the zoo they were going to had a big orangutan exhibit, and the orangutans, they were separated by this big, thick pane of glass that went up 20 feet. Little two-year-old grandson, Trevor, he, he, he was watching the orangutans, loved watching them, and two of those orangutans came over, and you know, they're kind of big, and we started slapping the glass. It scared Trevor, and he, he jumped up in his mom's arms. He said, I scared, I scared. His mom did something real smart. She took him over to the glass and had him put his hand on the glass, and she said, Trevor, she said, that orangutan can't harm you because this glass protects you. And so as they would be walking around the exhibit, sometimes Trevor would look a little bit nervous, and his mom would say, remember the glass, Trevor. Remember the glass. When, this, when the Bible was written, it was written to people, many who were going through difficult times. And when Paul said, you've got the armor of God, it's Paul's way of saying, remember the glass. There's protection. You're not standing out alone. God's armor will protect you and nothing evil will harm you. You've got God's help. There is conflict. There is sacrifice. You say, sacrifice? I didn't want to make sacrifice. I, I thought everything was going to be good. Well, no, there's There's sacrifice. Sometimes there's a sacrifice on a societal level of dealing with the fact that not everyone is going to love you being a Christian. And now you hear things like, if you're a Christian, you are intolerant. I hear that one. I hear that you're, we're hate mongers, ignorant, uncultured. And the emphasis is that now you become identified with believers and sometimes people make fun of believers. And you think, well, I don't, I don't, I don't like that. I understand that. And some of the sacrifices that we get, we get identified with God's people. But listen, guys, here in America, we don't deal with near some of the sacrifices that some people in other nations deal with. There are, there are Christians right now who are imprisoned and who die for their faith in Christ. Thank God we're not there. But we do deal with this. One, one missionary said this. He said, in other countries, they fear the raised fist. 
In America, we've feared the raised eyebrow. When people look at us like, really? It's a sacrifice. Sometimes it's a sacrifice for family and friends. I remember a guy when I, Joy's, Joy's family gave her a hard time and she became a Christian. I remember a guy, the guy who called me a Bible freak. I remember another guy came, had dinner with me one time. He'd known me back in college. And he looked at me over dinner. He said, you used to be so cool. It's not a compliment. So in other words, I'm no longer cool anymore. I can live with that. That's something I'm willing to give up because here's the deal. I'm looking to really please one. And if he's happy with me, everything else is going to sort itself out. So I'm going I'm to please him first. And then here's the, here's the last one. And you're thinking, gosh, sacrifice, is, is there more sacrifice coming? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got one more for you. Personal. Personal sacrifice. Look what Paul said in Romans 12. He said, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. He said, what do you mean offer my body a living sacrifice? I'm not going to put myself on the altar. No. But there are things, listen, after you become a believer, there are things that your, that your flesh, your, your nature is still going to want to do, and you have to tell it no. And that's not easy. That's a sacrifice. Now, if you've ever dieted before, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You're like, uh-oh, I've got, I've, got I've got a high school reunion coming up. I need to drop 10. So you start, you put away the Oreos. You stop going to Whataburger as much. And you put your, you're lying in bed at night. And Bluebell ice cream starts calling you out of the freezer. I'm here. Cookies and cream. Mmm. And you get up almost like a zombie and you walk over and you're about to reach the refrigerator and you go, no, no. Kind of like that fire coming out of that lady's hand. Ah, no. I can't eat the cookies and cream. Why? Because I've got to lose the weight. Why? That's a sacrifice. And listen, if we can sacrifice cookies and cream to look good for a high school reunion, how much more can we say no to the things that are harmful and toxic in our lives to please God? It's a sacrifice, but it's something that can help us. Here's our last one, and I'll close with this. It's, it's resolved. You know, we have to make firm decisions, hard decisions, but we're not alone. I mean, all the Avengers that had superpowers, you say, well, what do I have? I mean, I'm just me. I'm just kind of a regular. I'm not a preacher. I'm, not, I'm just kind of a regular sort of Christian. Not, no, you're not a regular sort of Christian. You're a child of God. And this is where the strong side of Christianity comes in. You've got God's word that can feed you and strengthen you on the inside. And not only that, you've got his Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. And this is what the scriptures say about him. First John 4, 4, you dear children are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who's in the world. In other words, all the forces, all the negatives, all the stuff that's in the world is not stronger than the one who lives in us. And knowing that gives us the strength of resolve that we can do what God's called us to do, that we can live this life. If it involves conflict, yes. If it involves sacrifice, yes. Because one day it will be worth it. One day we're going to stand before him. And I, I want to hear him say, Alan, well done, good and faithful servant. That's going to take resolve. It's going to take courage. But thank God he's given us everything we need to get there. And we have the ability to make a connection, to pray, to talk with God. And that gives us his plans, his wisdom, his counsel. And that can make a huge difference. One story and I'll close. President William McKinley was a 
president that was assassinated in 1901 in Buffalo, New York. As he was dying, the only words coming out of his lips were the Lord's Prayer. He was a devout Christian. He'd been raised in a Christian home. His mom had been a big prayer, and he learned to pray there, but he really learned to pray when he became president of the United States. He said when he began to pray, he was dealing with the situation after the American-Spanish War in the Philippines. There was a crisis, 1898. He didn't know what to do. And he was talking to a group of Christian leaders. He said, he said, I, I, he said I didn't want the Philippines. I didn't want to deal with that. He said, so I, I asked for counsel. I called the Democrats in. They couldn't help me. I called the Republicans in. They couldn't help me. He said, at midnight at night, I'm walking up and down the halls of the White House, walking up and down the rooms, praying, asking Almighty God to give me light and guidance. He said, one of those nights, he said, in crying out to God, he said, a strategy began to form. He said, I knew what we needed to do about the Philippines. He said, we were going to, by the grace of God, he said, we're going to do everything we can to liberate them, to help them. And so he said, these are people for whom Christ died. He said, once I'd made that decision, I went to bed and slept, and I slept soundly. That's resolve. But that's resolve that can come from having a connection with the Lord. When I think of the theme for the Avengers, conflict, good versus evil, sacrifice, giving up something to gain a good objective, resolve, the, the force of decision that it takes to keep pushing through. I think of one man who exemplified it more than anybody else. Jesus exemplified resolve when in the, in the garden he prayed. He said, Lord, if there's any way possible for this, this cup can pass from me, he said, let it pass. He said, but nevertheless, Lord, he said, not my will, but yours be done. Once he came to that place of resolve, next place for him was a place of sacrifice. And he went to the cross and bore our sins and bore our sicknesses so that we wouldn't have to. That was the, the ultimate sacrifice. And then in terms of conflict, it looked like the battle of good versus evil. In fact, the day that Jesus was crucified, they said that the, the sun went dark and it, it, the, the veil in the temple was ripped. It was, it was conflict. And it looked like when he died that evil had won, but evil didn't win. Because three days later, God raised him from the dead, King of kings and Lord of lords, never to die again. And he becomes the author of eternal salvation to anyone who simply believes in him and call on his name. Would you bow your heads for a moment? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Please, no one leaving or looking around, we'll be out of here in just a moment. If you came today and said, Alan, I've never, I've never made that decision to ask Jesus Christ to be the Lord of my life, but I'd like to do that. Or maybe you're here and you say, I've, I've done that in time past, but I'm kind of like you, Alan. I made the decision, I walked away, but today I, I want to come back. I, I know what a firm, good decision is, and I want to make that one today. We're not going to have you stand up. We're not going to have you come to the front, but we are going to say a prayer. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. No one's looking around. If that's you that I'm talking to and you say, Alan, I want to make a decision for Christ or the decision to come back to Christ, would you pray for me? I need you to slip your hand up across this auditorium. And we're not going to have you again. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Anybody else? Just say, Alan, that's me. Would you pray for me? You can put your hands down. We're going to pray. Now, maybe you just didn't feel like you could lift your hand. That's all right. You can pray this prayer with us. It's a heart prayer. God sees your hand, but he also sees your heart. So we're going to pray this prayer with you out loud as a church family. I want to encourage you to pray it with us as, we, as I lead you in this. This is a, a wonderful prayer, a prayer of accepting Christ, a prayer that will make an absolute difference in your life. 
So pray with me. I say, dear God, I know mankind needs a savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Now, the heads are still bowed and eyes are closed. Father, thank you for those that prayed that prayer today, for those who've stepped out of darkness into your marvelous light, and for those who've come back home. We rejoice with them. And Father, for the rest, I thank you for your strengthening power, for your help, for your grace, that whatever conflict they're dealing with right now, whatever challenges they're dealing with, whether it be inside the family, outside the family, Father, that you would strengthen them. And Father, any sacrifice that they have made in order to live for you and follow you, Father, thank you. You'll honor that. And Lord, we are grateful for all that you have done in our life and all that you will do and the fact that we'll have a, an opportunity to spend eternity with you. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.